July 2nd, 2020, and I'm not fucking wearing a mask for this episode. Uh, you can't make me. We're doing this uh, tight end episode today, and I am Huck Breeze, a.k.a. Sex Raptor, and I'm joined by our tight end expert from 2019, Max Breeze, a.k.a. Ulysses S. Grant, and Scott Sheddick, a.k.a. We. How are you all doing on this Thursday afternoon? Good God, you can't do Fat Albert. You can't do that. You didn't like Fat Albert? No. You're only half a bit. You can't do you can't do it. I'm sorry. No, I didn't no, no, I I no. I mean I am at least you guys know what what I was doing. You recognize what I was doing, you know, at least. We were disgusted. Okay. Like you gotta if you're gonna do it, you gotta get in there. You know what I mean? Like you can't just guys you can't just what? hey, hey, hey. Really? That's, you can't just like, I did not do it like, like slightly hey, obese Albert it. You gotta I'm, fat I'm Listen, Fat Albert. You were like Fat Albert after he had been on Jenny Craig for like three months. Maybe you went to yes, Subway. You're really maybe you shitting on me. You know, <laughs> I spent an hour in the bathroom practicing this before, and y'all have to come and just shit on my Fat Albert. Okay. I, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't okay. great. All right. Yeah. Anyway, all right. So uh, let's let's move on here. Let's have a challenge today. How about that? Can we go one episode without mentioning COVID nineteen? Too late. I mean, besides that. Starting right. now. Yeah, it's just starting now. Starting now. Starting now. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. So, all, all right. So, all is well, and uh, NFL season will 100% go on. There's no reason why it wouldn't. So, right. I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's yeah. crazy. Right. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so, we're done with the offense after this week. We are like trucking through these Not rankings. A, what? Uh, what? Episodes. You don't count Chris's offense? I'm offended. For every kicker in the league. I'm sorry. Yeah, there are a ton of uh, leagues out there, and you'd be surprised, uh, that do not run kickers, actually. And that just run uh, QB, two tight end, and a D. So What am I going to do with all this kicker homework I did for next week's kicker episode? Oh, we do kickers. In fact, we may do two kickers. I don't know. We'll see. We may do two tight ends. I mean, this league's getting crazy. I mean, I wouldn't mind a flex tight end wide receiver kicker position no no flex no flex flex. we don't flex not we don't even talk about flex in fact new rule no COVID 19 no flex before i went to a double tight end or a double kicker i would bridge a a flex of some sort instead of a double position the reason that i wanted to have two of these we have the perfect amount to have two of everything uh, if you count, we have we would have 28 people or 28 owned tight ends if, at, in two tight end league, leaving four extras. So tight ends immediately become, as kickers would, like quarterbacks. So when one goes down, it's like you go and search for that spare kicker or spare tight end. Now they're so bad at the end of kicker and, and tight end, it becomes comical. You're looking for people like Matt Lacoste, like Max Williams, <laughs> like I just, straight blockers. Uh, I just want to see Trevor trying to shop Jay Sternberger in the group text. Like, anybody want I, Jay it just, Sternberger? Yeah. It sounds like a lot of work. I'm not going to lie. What if I gave you five extra moves? Ten. 
<laughs> well, this isn't a negotiation, <laughs> sir. This isn't a negotiation. All right. Okay, let's move on here. What are you watching, Shedding? I just finished watching The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, there was on HBO Max, so I've watched all three in succession again. It was very nice because my favorite is the Battle of the Five Armies, but I can't justify watching that without watching the first two. So Right. And, and, I, and I love the book and everything. So I'll do Lord of the Rings probably here in a couple of weeks, but I can't go. I, I, I can't do another nine hours after doing that. As, as great as it was. Yeah. Guys- so so the, the, I, I was watching TNT the other day and I saw the Desolation Schmoove, uh, which is really good. Uh, that's that's one of my favorite ones. You know, it, you always think of like in Star Wars terms, where where the the prequels or you know the the first three uh, were going to be not as good as the next three. These are just as good. They I love them. I can watch one through six and not have a distinction between any of them. But yeah. Anyway, Max, what are you watching? Uh, I'm watching The West Wing right now. Mm-hmm. It it holds up, man. 1998 to 2005 and i'm still in the 90s episodes but it's it's awesome great show yeah Yeah, that's a good one uh i watched two movies the other day in in a row because i was on a little movie kick uh i watched the eurovision movie on netflix oh you didn't like it oh i haven't seen the new will ferrell is it funny yeah it's great i love it it's like blades of glory without being funny I, Blades of Glory was really funny, and there's some good singing. It's it's funny. I loved Blades of Glory. This yeah, movie I, was fresh. I've actually been nerding out and watching the gallery on uh, Disney Plus about the behind the scenes making of Mandalorian. It's yeah. really interesting, just how all the technology they use, and I mean they're literally inventing new technology and stuff. Uh, and how they're making everything using VR uh, cameraing in, inside uh, and gaming software and stuff. It's it's actually really really interesting stuff, and especially for coming from using just green screen stuff before for the actors not seeing anything. Now they had, they're surrounded by LED screens, so they have the scenery around them. Yeah. So they actually have something to work with. You know, it's it's a lot more, it makes it more compelling. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, the second movie I watched was uh, King of Staten Island. Um, yes, that was good. I would not recommend it to everybody. A lot of people are going to hate it. Um, but I personally really liked it. I thought it was a, a really good film and, and, uh, and yeah, really well done. Um, but yeah, anyway, let's move on to some football here. Let's, uh, let's talk about this. So we've all done our football analysis. If you had to rank your own football analysis from one to 10 thus far, QB to tight end, what would you give yourself one to 10? Shedig, what do you think? Uh, probably like a seven. Yeah. Yeah. Really, you know, I, I got a lot really have it immersed, but still really early on, like we still got a while. And like, honestly, usually I don't do much research until about a week or two beforehand. Really? I do. Yeah. I start out because a lot of things change going, going into it. You know, a lot of things go, I want to see like there's certain battles. I want to see who wins and you know, they're from, I just carry what I had from last year, you know, I mean, you uh, got that. I mean, I don't understand that. Well, what are you what are you giving yourself right now, Max? Uh, I'd say a niner. Um, uh, you know, I've done some deep cuts. I'm digging in. I'm, I'm living on Pro Football Reference. There are no unclicked links on that website for me right now. Um, I'm excited to share some tight end information today, but yeah. uh, we'll see if it actually pays off. I, I think 
ultimately the level at which we're going to like it, it's deeper than we need to we're going to be wrong about like 75 percent of the shit Speak but it just makes me feel better like well i couldn't have done more research you know just shit happens yeah i give myself a seven going up until uh it till tight ends i give my tight end research 10 out of 10 this is the position i feel most confident about going into i think that uh that QB is one of those things where it's like, oof, it's a little bit rough this year, especially when you get in the middle. It's like, you know, I want, I like this guy, but I don't love this guy. Tight end is, in my mind, very, very, very clearly cut. If these are the guys I want, this is where I'm going to get them. And it's going to be like, like clockwork, you know, surgical. It's going to get done the way I wanted to get done. And it all got put together uh, when I when I finished my research last night. So feeling really good about this episode. Feeling really good about this research. And let's just go ahead and and dive into the AFC North. Shedig, what do you think? You know, it's it's pretty t- uh, tight up there with the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, obviously they just going to throw to their tight ends all day. I mean, they have a few, but Mark Andrews is going to be, I mean, right up there. What he score? 147 points last year. I mean, there's really only about seven, eight guys that can are like assuredly get you well over a hundred points. And that's, that's the biggest thing with tight ends. So, I mean, the Steelers got Eric Ebron, which he's got a bit of brick hands, but he is a big target. And I know Ben, if he can stay healthy, can loves to hit a big target in the, in the red zone. So that can be really helpful. I still didn't draw too much. I mean, Joe Burrow could, as a rookie, he could look to his tight end as uh, for uh, uh, as a safety blanket, so that could work out. And personally, I don't, I can't trust if the ba- if the Browns are going to stick with uh, Baker. And I'm not a huge fan of Joku, anyways. Uh, I think he's a good athlete, but I just don't trust Baker as the problem. So I'd probably put Baltimore Steelers, Bengals over over Browns because I think just because I think Joe Burrow will be a decent quarterback, and then. He'll, he'll go to his tight end for safety net situations. So yeah, I'd probably be a good uh, red zone target. So yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Bengals and Browns. Max, what do you think? Um, I'm going to start with uh, at the top, Mark Andrews. Um, he was incredible for Baltimore last year. He led the team in receptions with 64. Marquise Brown or, or uh, Hollywood Brown had 48. Um, I was shocked that Lamar only had 3,100 passing yards. I guess he just got by on – he threw a shitload of touchdowns and ran the ball a lot. He had 1,200 um, rushing yards. That's more than yeah. most running backs. Yeah, that'll do it. Um, <laughs> I expect him to have to throw more this year, and I think that benefits Andrews. So he's one of the guys I would actually want to draft um, in the top 10 rounds this year. After him comes Austin Hooper for me. Um, the bad news for Hooper, Browns tight ends had 39 targets in 2019. Uh, to put that into context, Hunt, Kareem Hunt, who only played eight games for them, had 44 targets. Um, however, Stefanski, who came from the Vikings, uh, loved Kyle Rudolph in the red zone, loved all tight ends in the red zone. And I think that works out well for Hooper. I think that signing was with his offense in mind. So um, I'm not sure he's going to be as good as last year, but he's still, to me, a top 10 tight end. After that, I've got the Steelers. I rank Ebron over Vance McDonald. I think McDonald gets more open field catches. And even though Ebron had the second worst drop rate of all tight ends last season, he's still a big body, just like Shedig said. I think he can 
pull a Darren Fells and just get a handful of touchdowns, 400 yards, and be worth picking up. And then after that, it's Cincinnati, C.J. Uzoma. He mm-hmm. started all 16 games last year, averaged two and a half targets a game. He's off my list. He's one of those, even if we go two tight ends um, all of a sudden, he's still off my list. I think he's 29th or 30th in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Huck, AFC North, what do you think? So Mark Andrews is obviously up high. I mean, he's one of those guys, that, you know, it's funny because Baltimore, I looked at Baltimore's depth chart last year and the year before, and I was like, how do you draft tight, like tight ends so high every year and not give them playing time in Hayden Hurst in uh, Mark Andrews and in the third guy. So eventually, honestly, they got the guy that has the most rapport with Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, and he broke out last year. I'm thinking since this guy, I think he's in his third year now, since Mark Andrews is, does have rapport with Lamar Jackson, he's going to be a top five tight end for years to come. I mean, we're talking about somebody who's going to be drafted in the fifth, fourth, sixth, seventh round, uh, you know, for the next five years. So Mark Andrews, I'm not worried about because I know somebody's going to pay a huge price. I mean, he was on the championship team last year, which does give him a little bit more pedigree than other tight ends. Um, what I am worried about, though, is the Hooper and Joku combo. I do not want these guys in my team, okay? So somebody is going to draft Hooper in the top tight end, top 10 tight ends. He's my number 15. So if, as number 15, having 14 one tight end teams, uh, Hooper would be the first guy that shouldn't be owned. That should be a free agent. Um, entering a new offense, uh, they're a run-first offense, uh, and he's, he's got Anjoku on the other side. Savansky likes to run a lot of two tight end sets. Okay, so you think two tight end sets is good for tight ends? It's not. Uh, when you have two tight end sets, the second tight end does get attention some of the time and does steal some of the glory, um, just as a you know slot receiver might, whatever. So uh, I don't like either of these guys. You may have a game where Hooper has 100 yards and a touchdown. You may have a game with Njoku has 100 yards and a touchdown. And that's just a tough one to wrangle. After that, uh, yeah, the Ebron-Vance McDonald combo. I know Vance McDonald was, was owned last year, but he just can't stay healthy. I mean, when he plays, he's decent, but he cannot stay healthy throughout the entire season. Not once, I don't think, in his career. Um, so they're going to be in the same kind of situation the Browns are, running two tight end sets. Um, sometimes, you know, switching out on different plays, on pass downs, on rundowns. Uh, it's just a nightmare. It's not something you really want. And, yeah, C.J. Uzuma is the kind of guy who you will own A.J. Green um, or other Bengals receivers, and you'll be watching on Gamecast or something. You'll be like, fuck, why did C.J. Uzuma get a touchdown? Other than that, uh, he's not somebody that you should really care about nor watch. So, so you hate Hooper. Yeah, I, I don't like Hooper. Uh, I know that the reason you are on this podcast is because of Hooper, because he did well for you last year out of a uh, out of the uh, uh, free agent market because no one really looked into him. Nope. Um, but I think that was a situational thing and not a uh, not a, a, a actual talented person type thing. I, I think he got a raw deal going to the Browns. Hooper just signed the biggest deal for a tight end in NFL history. Yeah. As far as like 11 million a year, he's the highest paid tight end ever. And you don't think he's startable. I don't think he's startable, no. I, I think really there's that kind of money. Yeah. What? yeah the Browns are so frivolous with their money. They're terrible. Dude, they're so 
four years, forty-two million. That's yeah. terrible. That's so bad. I mean, hell, oh. they signed Baker, so obviously they don't know what they're doing. So, whatever. Oh. <laughs> anyway, yes, uh, I think there's there's fourteen oh. other guys that I would rather have on my team than Austin Hooper. Not fifteen, fourteen. Uh, anyway, I watched draft day the other day. What's your favorite Kevin Costner movie? Okay, so we're doing this. Uh, mine is Field of Dreams, no doubt. Actually, okay. Did, yeah. did you know they made a Field of Dreams too? Taylor Lautner and mm. Kevin Costner's in it. Mm, I didn't know that. I'm not yeah. gonna Google I don't, that. I didn't know yeah, that. I'm not gonna Google that. <laughs> you no, know, it's it's there. I was looking at his filmography earlier. I was like, what in the fuck? I'm wondering if they didn't release it, but it's on his filmography, so they must have, and they probably just tried, kept it hush hush. It's I'm kind gonna, of like a big, college humor thing, right? Like, hush hush film. I don't know. I don't know. Hush hush film. Only for a family, friends and family. It's it's Field of Dreams, of course. As well. I love, I love yeah. Bull Durham. I love For the Love of the Game, but yeah, Field of Dreams is my favorite movie of all time. Yeah, it's uh, mine too. I, I'm a big Tin Cup fan. I, I think it edges it out for me. I just love yes. Tin Cup. Tin Cup's That's great. I, I mean, Field of Dreams is right there with it, and I love it. Too. Yeah, yeah. especially yeah. James Earl Jones and, and everything, but Tin Cup, I just love. It's Listen, so you, you honestly can't go wrong with Kevin Costner and right. Mr. Brooks. Hey. Waterworld, Postman. Postman. Have you watched any of his new stuff? Uh, have you watched uh, Yellowstone? or uh, No, but I want to. I have Yellowstone. I actually, Good. Yellowstone's I actually have that, that network, Paramount, um, and I really want to watch it. So I might yeah. actually do that later tonight after I drink this whole bottle of white wine. Do it. Well, before that, we should probably get into the AFC East. Huck, what do you think okay. about the AFC East tight ends? Well, let me tell you what I think. Um, I have – this is a kind of bare-bones tight end uh, division, just as it's a bare-bones fancy division. Um, but I have a surprising guy up top, um, Mike Jacecki. Uh, he finished the year really strong with a lot of targets. Um, and I know Clay's probably like, you know, he's probably <laughs> really, really, really wanting me not to talk about Mike Jacecki. That's his Madden um, tight end. Yeah, yeah, that's his Madden tight end. And that's, it, it's, it's a, I mean, he's a solid player. We, when he came out as a rookie, we thought he would be a, a, a big star. Uh, I know he was drafted, you know, later on. Um, and since the Dolphins have been so terrible, he hasn't really – gotten um, a look but he finished last year really strong um and so number two i have chris herndon herndon missed uh he, he was actually suspended for the first four games uh last year and then he had a broken rib um a hurt calf he missed the rest of the year he only got to play in a couple games um but him and sam darnold really have a good rapport and they're they're actually uh you know he's going to suck up a lot of targets uh, basically due to the fact that the Jets wide receiver and wide receiver crew and everybody else plays for that team is just not that talented. Um, so Herndon's going to get a lot of the target share. Uh, he, he's at number two. It's funny uh, because Brad is, is watching this. He's in the audience right now. Um, and the, the Patriots tight end hasn't been relevant since Gronk. But there's a guy that was drafted third round out of UCLA. <laughs> named Asiasi. Uh, he is uh, probably going to start. He's, he's number two in the depth chart right now, but he's probably going to start. He was the, a receiving tight end, and he lined up in the slot a lot for UCLA. 
Um, and I have him at my number three, an interesting uh, somebody to watch. Again, if we had a two tight end league, he'd definitely be owned uh, and he might be owned by my team. But uh, I have him ranked way down there uh, near, I think, 30 um, on, on tight ends currently. And last but not least, Dawson Knox, uh, who had in his own pretty good year for the Bills, um, just not a good fantasy year is is finishing out my list. So, Shedig, what do you think? I don't really like the tight ends of this division. They kind of suck. <laughs> yeah. Max, what do you think about the <laughs> I agree. Um, my rankings actually line up right with Hux, Kasiki, Herndon, Asiasi, and Dawson Knox. Um, do you know what Asiasi stands for or is in Spanish? No, I didn't even know you were Spanish. It's well, no, Asiasi in Spanish is so so. Okay. And I think Asiasi is so so. I think he's fine. I think he will be fine for the Patriots. Uh, I don't have strong feelings for any players in this division aside from Gasicki's good, five and a half targets a game, eight plus targets week 15 and 16. Same stuff Huck was talking about. I will say that I fucking hate Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox sucks. Um, he had 50 targets last season. He had a 20% drop rate. So that means like not even counting the balls that were overthrown, which, you know, it's Josh Allen. He's got accuracy problems. I get it. 20% drop rate. So do you think it's odd that some of these people have high drop rates? Um, and cause I think you talked about, uh, some receivers having high drop rates too. And do you think in some cases it's the quarterback? That, that uh, Josh Allen, as talented as he is and as good of a fantasy player as he is, just doesn't throw a good ball? Like, it's, also, it's also tough to play in Buffalo. You have to understand the wind there, the conditions there. When it gets into winter, it's just it's not, uh, it's not serviceable for throwing the ball uh, th- you know, three downs in a row. You really have to run it up there. And that's something you have to look at for teams like that that have to play at home in open conditions like that. Yeah, listen, on average, Dawson Knox ran out about five yards and turned around. You know, I, I would I would give credence to that and just say, oh, Josh Allen can't throw a spiral. But, I mean, John Brown didn't drop balls. John Brown was going deep, you know. He would miss John Brown occasionally. But John Brown didn't drop balls. I just think he didn't have good receivers aside from Brown. You know, and Dawson Knox, I mean, before last year, we hadn't heard of him. We started hearing of him because he was throwing him the ball. But I saw him for sure. 20% drop rate, like that's not good. I would have a 20% drop rate. Put me in the game. No, mm-hmm. I would die immediately, but I would catch four. I would only drop one out of five. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's AFC East insignificant from a tight end perspective for me. Okay. So Shay, do you AFC, have anything to add to the AFC East or are you just saying you're just not going to draft any of them and you don't want to talk about them? Yeah, probably that, that pretty much. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the West then. AFC uh, South or West? South. Oh, let's do South. Let's do South. South. AFC South. 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 Yeah. Going South, going downtown. Uh, yeah. Shedig, you got to have some some thoughts. Yeah, on so, I mean, South actually has some some pretty a pretty good race between uh, Fells and Jack Doyle, but it, to me, it always comes back to quarterback. And so Watson, having been familiar with Fells, but they do run a lot of double tight end uh, sets, like you're saying. That's why he doesn't he didn't hit that hundred point marker last year, but he's, he was still serviceable. And now with rivers possibly having the job there in Indianapolis, which I mean, he's supposed to, I just don't think it's going to last very long. He 
his arm is is pretty much shot. He's pretty old. He's got a lot of kids. So eventually they're going to go back to fucking uh, their backup halfway through the season. Jack Doyle will just be fucked. So that that won't be helpful. But then uh, Tennessee, Tennessee's got a pretty good tight end. And uh, uh, what's it called? Johnu. Johnu Smith. Smith, yeah. And what and Tannehill is very systematic. He's very he's a very good quarterback at following the plays. And, you know, he find he does his reads and uh, he get, definitely gets the ball. It just needs a little more red zone targets. Is the problem. Um, I'm probably going that order because uh, Jacksonville. I don't. I can't. Yeah. Do you know who their tight end is? What Eifert? Like, yeah. is that really really worth it? And uh, it's just he's so injury prone. I don't even. I don't even put him on my list. Like he's not even there. I mean, obviously he's in the basement, but probably go in that order. I'd go Texans, uh, Colts, uh, Titans, Jaguars. Max, what do you think? So you're not gonna like it, Shedig. My number one tight end for the AFC South is Tyler Eifert. Hmm. Now I only say that he's got the highest ceiling of any tight end in this division. The reason I'm saying that. So, so injury prone. He's so injury prone. Okay. But so in 2019, Jacksonville targeted tight end 7% of the time. That's one of the lowest in the league. However, if you look at the Redskins, 2016, 2017, 2018, 26% of the time every year, like clockwork, um, Jay Gruden's offense is targeting the tight end. And it's not even always good ones. You know, it's, it's, it's Jordan Reed. It's, uh, it's, you know, old man Vernon Davis. Yeah. He was, he was good with a lot of targets. Old man, uh, Old man Vernon Davis, Jeremy Sprinkle getting a lot of tight end targets. He that's what he does with his offense. He targets the tight end. It's a safety net. And so you consider that all those targets signing Eifert, all they have is Oshag Hennessy behind them. And yes, he's likely to get injured, but if you're drafting a tight end in the second to last round, I like the dart throw at Eifert because I do think he's got the highest ceiling. If he can play 14 games, I think he's a top eight tight end. Um, it just, it's unlikely that he does, but I, I like that for a dart throw. After that, I've got, uh, Jack Doyle, John Smith and Darren Fells last. Um, fact of the matter is like Rivers targets tight ends. Uh, he targeted Hunter Henry six and a half times per game last year. Doyle only had four and a half targets last year. Now they lost, uh, Ebron. Now granted they added Trey Burton, but Trey Burton just wasn't thrown to as a bear. He was used as a blocking tight end. So I think Doyle gets used a little bit more. I like Jonu Smith. He runs short routes. He catches most of his passes. Uh, you know, it's not exciting. And uh, Darren Fells, I love the Texans. He had seven touchdowns last year. He had three targets a game, um, who I am interested in from the Texans long-term. Uh, later on in the season, I expect to see more Cahale Waring, somebody that they drafted last year and was injured. Um, he was... He's supposed to be Mr. Freak Athlete, one of those freak athlete tight ends that they hope just turns into something. And, uh, you know, every time he gets mentioned, it's some coach talking him up. So that could just be coach speak, but I'm hoping, I mean, he was a third round pick last year. So I'm hoping that uh, he can turn into a weapon for him down the line. Huck, AFC South, what do you think? I'd love to see Waring be the tight end of the the Texans future because we, we used to talk about how the Texans never had a QB um, somebody to root for, somebody to put a poster on your wall, um, and we were always mediocre. To be honest, who's the tight end you think of for the Texans? Oh, and Daniels. That's it. 
Well, yeah. Well, you, you need more than one. I love one in day. twenty years. Yeah, I would like to have more than one. I mean, oh, uh, you know, I know the the uh, the Cowboys have like Jason Witten, somebody you think of, for, you know, for the entire span of the last couple decades. That's the guy. Um, Texans just haven't had any tight end luck in the past, you know, 10, 15 years. So I'd like to have somebody like that, but let me go with my rankings here. And it's, it's interesting because mine's completely scrambled from yours. Uh, my number one is Johnny Smith. Um, they got rid of Zane Delaney. So Johnny Smith's the guy, the number one guy. Uh, I know in, he only posted one good line last year and it was, uh, Six catches, 78 yards, a touchdown. But uh, but he has no competition. He's going to be cheap in drafts. Uh, like I said, you just ranked him third. I think Johnny's going to be one of those guys that really can stretch the field. And this is a good time for me to talk about what I look for in a tight end. I don't want a guy that – a tight end that's only targeted in the red zone. Not just a big body to throw at in the end zone. An Eric Ebron, a Tyler Higbee. Those guys won't be on my team. I want the guy that can stretch the field and get that 80-something yard touchdown. And I've seen that from Johnny Smith. I've seen that, you know, be he could be the number two option behind A.J. Brown, to be honest. Um, so I think that there's a, there's a lot to be excited about in Johnny Smith. Number two, um, I actually have uh, Tyler Eifert. Like Max, I think he has a good ceiling, but uh, he won't be on my team. How much and, is a smokescreen for people to draft him early? I'm wondering. Listen, that no, guy's you have to understand that there's only 14 tight ends that will probably be started okay. or even owned right. at any time. So if Tyler Eifert is 16, which is not, which he's not, but that's pretty, you know, compare that to a quarterback, that's like Phillip Rivers. He's for sure owned, but in tight ends, He's free agent fodder. Um, so it's generous for Tyler Eifert. But, uh, but yeah, I think that he has a lot of talent and he could be somebody good. But again, I don't deal with injured people. I don't yeah. want to play that game. I don't want to play Russian roulette with injuries. So, and so how early do you, do you expect to draft a tight end? I, that totally, totally depends on draft flow. Um, but my number one is Kelsey, just as I think – most people no, moving one. as which I think, yeah, moving into AFC West, I think, I mean, obviously Kelsey's rating supreme in AFC West, which Waller's pretty close behind. Right. Uh, but I wouldn't do it, uh, you know, anywhere before the probably fourth round. Um, just because I, yeah, I, I don't value, I have a lot of tight ends that I like this year. Yeah. Um, but just to finish out this division, hard hat Doyle, just like Max said, there's Trey Burton there on the other side. You don't know how much they're going to target him. Um, I still think hard hat gets the job done. He's a workhorse. Um, and he builds a rapport with, with, uh, Phillip Rivers. And last but not least, any Texas tight end. Um, like I said, I, w I wish the Texans could, could have a tight end that emerged from the pack. But right now, um, there's too many with Jordan Akins, Darren Fells and Mooring. Uh, you just don't know. Uh, if we did our draft tomorrow, uh, you could draft any of those Texas tight ends and they can never see the field. So anyway, let's keep it moving to, like Shedek said, the AFC West. Shedek, what are your thoughts on this division? Well, I mean, obviously, like you said, Kelsey is, uh, I mean, top dog there. 
I mean, Waller's not too far behind. Uh, to me, that's really a difference between the quarterback situation for him because uh, Derek Carr has never really been the same since his injury, but he's still serviceable. Um, then uh, you got Hunter Henry at the Chargers, and to me, Hunt right now, this is Hunter Henry and Noah Fant uh, in Denver is going to be a, a challenge between the development of the quarterbacks on how become how they uh, develop as passers. Um, they're they're kind of interchangeable for me right there. So yeah, it'd be it'd be Kelsey Waller, and then uh, those two be interchangeable for me. Hmm. Max, what do you think about the AFC West? Uh, I agree with you to a certain extent. I'm not going to talk a whole lot about Travis Kelsey. He's the number one. He's the best tight end in fantasy football. Led all the tight ends and targets, receptions, yards. The big question about Kelsey is when is he picked? Because that, to me, decides what happens like, like with all these tight ends. If somebody picks Kelsey early in the third, I think all of a sudden people are picking tight ends like crazy. But if it's early in the fourth, late in the fourth, things like that, somebody's going to get a value on a guy like Mark Andrews, on a guy like Zach Ertz, things like that. It's, it's going to depend on the on the trades because back in the day we could say somebody might take him early in the third, but now with different trades are going on, different, pe- diff- different people's teams are going to be different positions uh, coming into the third and fourth round. Uh, since good point. I really, just the past couple of years, we've been, people have been trading a lot more picks, so it's changing our draft flow a lot. Yeah, somebody with a lot of third, fourth round picks, I could see them grabbing Kelsey and it making a lot of sense because they've already filled those other slots. So, yeah, great point. Um, After Kelsey, it's Darren Waller, just like you said. Third in targets, second in receptions, over seven targets a game. He's The thing I like about Waller is he's got a good yards before catch and yards after catch. He's just – he's not a one-trick pony. He's not a run 10 yards, turn around. He's not a run three yards, and then I'll get yards after catch. He does it all. Um, after him, I've got Hunter Henry. You know, we've got some Chargers quarterback questions, but he gets six over six targets a game. So you have to put him there. Noah Fant is incredibly interesting to me. He led the league in average yards after catch with receptions. The problem is he only got four targets a game. You know, uh, he had two huge weeks, week nine and week 14, where he got three, three receptions and four receptions but over 100 yards and a touchdown on each one of them. And it wasn't all just from one play. It's all of a sudden he gets these targets and he goes off. He's one of those guys that could end up being, you know, this year's Austin Hooper. Um, But it's just, is he going to be able to get targets, especially with Cortland Sutton and now Big Booty Judy there? Plus they've added Melvin Gordon. It's just, you you don't know what that looks like, but he's got a lot of potential. Um, I love the AFC West for tight ends. Huck, what do you think? AFC West. Yeah. AFC West is the best tight end division, I think, in football. So Kelsey's number one. I won't really go into that. What I really am concentrating in, and what's cool about the AFC West is that in my rankings, all four of these guys are top 14. So all four of these guys should be owned, in my opinion. Um, my number two is Hunter Henry. I owned Hunter Henry last year, and I know he had a displaced kneecap. Um, but he came back in like Adrian Peterson time. So he was supposed to be out, uh, I think, six to eight weeks, and I dropped him. He was back in four. Uh, so he, he, he beat that timetable, and he came back, and he did pretty well for a team that, uh, that wasn't really excelling offensively with Phillip Rivers. Um, I think Hunter Henry is going to have the growth to challenge Kelsey 
uh, for that number one spot in the division. Kelsey is eventually going to reach a peak. It's one of those gambling fallacies, you know, where it's just like he's just going to keep on doing what he's doing year after year after year. One year, Kelsey is not going to be number one tight end. Um, and I think in the next two or three years, somebody in this division is going to pass Kelsey. Will it be Waller? Will it be Henry? I think it's going to be Henry. And here's why. With Waller, you have to look at he had 115 targets last year, which was third most among tight ends. Okay. The target share is inevitably going to go down because the Raiders went and spent not only the first round, not only the second round, but the third round pick this year on wide receivers. Okay. So they really wanted to bolster that along with Tyler uh, or Tyrell Williams and Hunter Renfro. Okay. So the target share is going to shrink. That's inevitable. Waller is a huge talent. Don't get me wrong. I still, like I said, I still think he needs to be owned. Um, but uh, I, I think Hunter Henry is the more consistent. Like I said, I wanted people to stretch fields uh, on their own 20. I watched the Chargers play a lot last year on their own 20. There was a lot of over the middle 12 yard passes to Hunter Henry. There was a lot of, you know, 15, 20 yard down the middle or him trying to stretch the field kind of passes. Those are the kind of players that I want on my team. The kind of guys that can break one that can get points uh, in chunks. Uh, and I, I just, I think Waller's that guy too. I just think he, he's, his stock is going to go down from last year. Uh, Noah Fant is interesting. Like you said, um, he's coming off a rookie year where he really did excel, uh, but he's really inconsistent. He had two hundred yard games uh, and he had a handful of single digit yard games where he just disappeared. Uh, pair that with adding Jerry Judy and the inconsistency or the ineffectiveness of Drew Locke, because I think Drew Locke sucks dick. Um, yeah, Fant should be owned, but he's he's my number 14. Uh, so, so yeah, that's, uh, that's what I think of the AFC West. Uh, before we get into the NFC, I want to know something from y'all. What are you drinking? Max. Uh, just like last week, I'm drinking a Revolver Blood and Honey. Switching it up. Nice. Listen, you know, it works. It works. I get it regularly. Mm-hmm. Shedek, what are you drinking? What are you smoking? You're on mute. Come on. Rookie mistake. Unmute. Shedek? Gosh, Jesus. Oh my. Was I still muted? Yeah, you that were must, muted. That must have been so rough for you. Who would you po- <laughs> who would you possibly be talking to during the podcast that you had to mute yourself? Well, I had to make another drink. Uh okay. another juice. Valid. I like I like to use my shaker. I didn't I didn't want to interrupt your uh AFC West tight end uh, moment. So you Oh well, what were you shaking? It's like OJ. A little Bombay Sapphire with uh Orange, banana, strawberry juice. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. You know, I like to keep it refreshing after a 105 degree day. It's Mm -hmm. nice to stay hydrated. Yep. That's true. What are you drinking, Huck? I'm drinking a little Pinot Gris. Uh, The Griffon, I believe it's like a $3 bottle for Trader Joe's. Uh, (laughs) That's the best. Yeah. Trader Joe's is the best wine. 
hey man, uh, you know, Trump sends me that stimulus check. I'm gonna put it in the bank and buy three dollar wine. That's, right. that's how I'm gonna roll. Yeah. Um, anyway, all right, we got past that. Let's move on to the NFC. <laughs> and <laughs> we stumbled through that. We did. You know, Shag really. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to carry him in these podcasts, but but we're yeah, we're it's it's really tough. I know somebody's <laughs> got to keep it. Interesting. It's true. It's true. We love you uh nfc north shedding what do you got you know i think kyle rudolph is leading the way over there um jesus christ (laughs) (laughs) sorry go on sorry go on what's going on here (laughs) oh nothing uh it's just a yeah okay (laughs) yeah um anyways uh, yeah, I think Kyle Rudolph over at the Vikings leading the way. I don't think TJ Hawkinson really turned into the tight end people wanted him to be last year. He could do better this year, but I think even for his ceiling, it won't be it won't be cracking a top five five tight end or anything. Maybe a top ten uh, if Stafford and him can start hooking up a little bit better. Um, obviously, I don't want anything to do with the Bears. And now that honestly, who is who is the Packers tight end right now? Jace Sternberger. You don't know oh, about Jace Stern- Sternberger? Well, probably with Rodgers at quarterback, yeah, I'd put him up there. He could be, any he, he could be up there at probably right behind uh, Rudolph. But I think it's still him leading the pack. Max, what do you think about the NFC North? So okay, I, there are nine, nine tight ends that I'm willing to take before the fifteenth round. Is Kyle Rudolph um, one of them? Kyle Rudolph is not one of them. Believe it or not. Um, really? But like- number 10, the, the guy that the, the cream of the crop, if I don't have a tight end by round 15, the number one guy I'm taking is TJ Hawkinson. Um, so TJ Hawkinson got a raw deal last year as a rookie. You know, his first game, he had six catches, 100 yards, a touchdown, so he, six catches on nine targets. He looked incredible with Stafford. And then he slowed down a little bit from a target's perspective. Stafford started going nuts with uh, Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay. But ultimately, he still got some targets. He still got 30, 40 yards a game. And then Stafford goes down, and Hawkinson is catching balls from bleh. Literally, David bleh. You know, like, so if you look at his numbers, he's still got five targets a game as a rookie, which doesn't happen for tight ends. He had a 54% catch rate. So... Of all of his targets, he caught 54% of them, which you would think you'd want to blame on him, but very few of them are drops. He caught most of the good throws that were thrown to him. He was just catching shit balls from shit quarterbacks. Um, Other than that, if you look at yards before catch, yards after catch, he's almost a carbon copy of Darren Waller. He just doesn't break as many tackles as Waller does because Waller's just a bulldozer. Um, I like TJ Hawkinson if Stafford is healthy all year to be a sneaky, maybe even not so sneaky, top 10 tight end. Uh, He's got a lot of potential. Aside from that, I don't love this division. Um, Jimmy Graham is a bear now. Last season, Trey Burton had three targets a game. Uh, I don't know who his quarterback is, but whoever it is, I'm not impressed by. Who knows? Who knows? Jimmy Graham was wasted in, uh, I think, at least in Green Bay and Seattle. Um, After that, I've got... Kyle Rudolph, three targets a game, heavily targeted in red zone. We'll see what happens with a new offensive coordinator, but he's uh, somebody will have him at some point this season, at least as a bye week filler. 
And then after that, I've got Jay Sternberger. I really don't care who the, who the Packers tight end is, even if it was somebody relatively good. You know, they've had – we've been burned by Jermichael Finley, Jared Cook, Marty, Be- Marty Beat, Martellus Bennett, and Jimmy Graham, all of whom have had success at other stops in their career, but just cratered with Rodgers. He just doesn't target them. Even if he doesn't have any other receivers, he just doesn't throw it to the tight end. I'm not interested. I don't care who it is. No Green Bay tight ends. Um, Huck, NFC North. Yeah, Green Bay tight ends, uh, once upon a time, the the Packers offense was so uh, explosive that you thought, you know, having a tight end on that team had to have produced something. Um, but they have let us down year after year after year after year after year, no matter who they put in that position. So as much as you might love Jay Sternberger, uh, yeah, he is he is not last on my list, but, uh, but he's not going to be owned. Um, first on my list, I have Kyle Rudolph. Never mind, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I don't have Kyle Rudolph as the best tight end on his team, let alone uh, the, the division. Uh, the division, I have Hawkinson, number one. TJ Hawkinson, uh, like Max said, had a blow-up game week one where we all thought TJ Hawkinson was the new Travis Kelsey, and we all you know, were, were stupid for not targeting him. Uh, in the draft, uh, eventually kind of leveled off, and uh, Stafford, you know, didn't play the rest of the season. He had to play with below-average QBs. So let's see what he can do with a full year of Stafford, with a full year in this offense. Um, I think Hawkinson is one of the top ones, and I think that he's going to be targeted like that. So look for him sixth, seventh round uh, to be somebody off the board that's early and a popular pick. Number two, a guy named Irv Smith. Um, Irv. Irv. Irv Smith Jr. Uh, this is the last year of Kyle Rudolph's contract. Irv Smith Jr. stepped in last year and pretty much split the targets with Kyle Rudolph. Now, you saw Kyle Rudolph uh, get a lot more touchdowns, um, but throughout the year, there was 48 targets for uh, Rudolph, 47 for Irv. Irv was a rookie. Irv's more talented. Irv's a better player. Just do the math. Irv is going to be the tight end for the future and probably this year for the Minnesota Vikings. And they're going to need to uh, up the targets with Stephon Diggs missing. So uh, look for a lot more Irv this year. Irv Irv. might be worth somebody somebody owning. Um, Number three, I have Jay Sternberger. Jay Sternberger had, I think, three catches last year. Uh, one was a touchdown against San Francisco in the playoffs. That's a good ratio. That was his only catch. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Jay Sternberg. Um, that's one of those guys where, uh, you know, if you if you haven't done your research, Hedman, and you're jumping in and you like uh, Aaron Rodgers' tight end, that's the guy to take. Uh, last on my list is Jimmy Graham. Uh, I've watched Jimmy Graham go from the Saints tight end, top tight end in the league, uh, drop to somebody that may be ownable uh, with certain teams like the Seahawks and the Packers last year, maybe on a bi- on a weekly basis, to now being on a trash Bears offense and feels like he's been in the league for 20 years. Uh, he's he's oft injured. It's somebody that I I would have nightmares waking up in the night thinking that he was my tight end. Um, 
I do not want Jimmy Graham more than most tight ends. In fact, I have him ranked below Asi Asi uh, and and uh, Dawson Knox. Uh, so that just tells you where I have Jimmy Graham. Anyway, um, Shedding, are you ready for the next division? Uh, we are going. Oh yeah, to, you know it, man. We're going to That's the like NFC. Talking about tight ends in July. <laughs> it is July. NFC East. Bring it. You know that Zach Ertz guy is. Uh, you know he's a guy, and he's got yeah. another guy with Goddard. You know he's another guy, but honestly, those two guys they don't do too much without another guy throwing the ball to those two guys, and then you know. They just got a lot of stuff that's just not going to happen for them this year. I don't think he's going to he's gonna be the guy he was last year. I don't think he's going to be the guy everybody think he is, you know? Mm-hmm. He's a rocket man. So. I need a map to for you to draw me to understand what you're talking about right now. <laughs> you see? You see, you lost. You lost now. And that, that's what happens when one guy doesn't give it to the other guy. So you got, you got to bring it back. You got to bring it back all the way to the Eagles. But uh, past that, you know, it's pretty garbage, uh, garbage division for tight ends. Max, what do you think about the NFC East? NFC East is not a garbage division for tight ends. I think there's only one garbage tight end in the conference or in the division. In the conference, fuck it, I don't care. In the division. In the uh, whole league. In the whole world. So the number one tight end for me in the division, it's no surprise, it's Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz got hurt last year, and I think it affected him a lot. He had the second worst yards after catch. Um, which you're like, second worst, okay, at least he wasn't the worst. The worst was Jason Witten, and who's like 900 years old, had to take off his toupee and, and put a helmet on. Um, so that, I, that wasn't the case in years past. I, I bet he's wearing it under case. the helmet. I, I would <laughs> hope so. It, the glue, right? It's glue. Yeah, well, it gives him confidence. You know, it's like a, like a Samson thing. Right. Once I take it off, I whip my head around a little bit, you know? Um, <laughs> so Zach Ertz got hurt, missed a couple games. He had nine targets a game, which we know Kelsey led the league in, in targets. Kelsey had eight and a half targets a game. Ertz, when he's healthy, is thrown to more often than any other tight end in the league. And his stats looked bad last year due to his injury. He just couldn't get any yards after the catch. I, I think he's going to be drafted as like the fifth or sixth overall tight end when on my list, he's number two still. Um, I think he's still got the talent. I still think they need those targets over the middle of the field. Um, you know, they've that team is built around, if I remember correctly, burners on the outside and then a rookie, Jalen Ragor, who's supposed to be their slot. So I, th- I think Ertz still gets fed. Even I know Dallas Goddard takes some targets from him. Dallas Goddard looked impressive when Ertz was out. But there's no reason, there's no reason not to throw to Ertz if you've got him, if you're paying him. Um, after that, I've got Evan Ingram for the Giants. Part of it is who who else are they going to throw to? You know, um, mm. like I guess he primarily have three good receivers. Well, okay, if you Decent. say so. It's Sterling Shepard and and you know some Golden Tates and and whatever. Either way, when he's on the field, another guy that faced injuries last year, eight and a half targets per game, tied with Kelsey. Um, unlike Kelsey, he ran a bunch of short routes, was fed a lot of you know short third down conversions, things like that. Um, but eight and a half targets per game, I'll take it, especially with more experience, assuming he's healthy going into the year. Pretty decent tight end. After that, I've got Blake Jarwin. Uh, Witten is gone. 
So Witten last year, old man Witten couldn't get a yard after the catch. Um, still got five, five plus targets a game, over five targets a game. Uh, Dallas tight ends as a whole, including Blake Jarwin, seven and a half targets a game. You know, they're going to be, it's, they're going to be going vertical, you know, with all those wide receivers. I don't think, I think he's at best the fourth best option for Dak, but I also think there's going to be a lot of um, instances where he's going to be wide open because you've got to cover three stud wide receivers and be aware that Zeke is there at all times. So even though, in my opinion, he's probably the fifth best receiving option here, he's going to have some weeks where he's going to blow up for 80 yards and two touchdowns. So I, I like Jarwin as a, I didn't draft a tight end in time. I'm just going to take him in the last round kind of guy. After that, it's Jeremy Sprinkle. Um, Sprinkle's advanced metrics are bad. I want him to be good so that we can just celebrate with Sprinkle Sprinkle, you know. He got two and a half targets per game last year. He started like 13 games for for the Redskins. And some of those games were for Jay Gruden, who loves tight ends. Um, Ron Rivera also likes tight ends, but he's also used to having Greg Olson. I, I think, and I've said it a million times, I think the Redskins just feed Scary Terry. I'm going to draft him earlier than anybody else in the league. I'm not even afraid to talk about it. Um, but Sprinkle is off of my list. He's not top 14. He's not top 20. He's not fantasy relevant this year. Huck, NFC East, let's hear it. Yeah, it sucks that, uh, you know, I I didn't find any notes. I didn't really try, but, you know, what happened to Jordan Reed scramble brains um, for the Redskins? I guess he's just not playing football anymore because on the depth chart, it's he's just not there. I think we all hope he's not going to play football anymore because, right. like, you know, he's he's got more concussions than Brandon Cooks. New movie just based on him. Yeah. They should just, he should just stop. Yeah. Yep. So before I get into uh, the Eagles tight ends, y'all heard hear about the whole Dias guard thing. Yeah. Get into that. Yeah. He got sucker punched in a bar in South Dakota. He's from South Dakota. He got sucker punched, knocked unconscious, uh, and uh, and the guy got charged with simple one assault because it seems like Dallas Goddard didn't suffer any injuries. But does that is that really who you want as your tight end? The guy that can just get sucker punched and knocked out? Do you think Travis Kelsey? would get knocked out by a single punch by any human? I don't Absolutely know. not. No. Yeah. Shouldn't have been standing there. That's what I think. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Jason Witten, do you think he'd, he'd take a punch like that and go down? Probably not. No, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't dare. You know, they probably they wouldn't, wouldn't dare. dare. Anyway, all right. Let me get into my rankings here. So uh, number one, I have Ertz. But I don't have Ertz as high as everybody else has him. I think, again, it's like a stock market move. So you have Ertz. He was at his peak a couple of years ago. And I think he's on his way down. I think Goddard's on his way up. And eventually, in three, four years, we've got a Goddard uh, tight end, starting tight end for the Eagles. And Ertz is finishing out his contract and looking for another team or aging out of the position or whatever. Um, so I think those, those, uh, th- those targets will become more of a 50-50 kind of split there. Um, I like Dallas Goddard as somebody that should be owned in our league. Uh, right there at the edge. I think that it's weird to say that the Eagles will have two um, tight ends that should be owned in our league, but we saw such trash play from Eagles receivers in the past, and we hold Carson Wentz in such a high regard. It's like something's got to give. Either these receivers got to step up, uh, either the tight ends got to get more targets and produce more, 
or Carson Wentz has got to decline steeply. So I think Carson Wentz is still a good quarterback. I think the tight ends uh, both will produce enough to be starters in our league. Uh, and I, I think that's that's an interesting way to look at the tight end position from the Eagles. Now, number two, I have Blake Jarwin. I think Blake Jarwin is going to be a, a steal in the draft coming up. I really, really, really like Jake Jar- Blake Jarwin, and I probably shouldn't be saying this, but I'm about halfway through my bottle of white wine. Um, yeah, it could be the fifth option. Yes, there's a lot of targets to split in Dallas, um, but I think that, uh, that also – uh, gives Dak a safety blanket and uh, and it's something to be comfortable. And I still think that he can stretch the field and be a red zone target, um, which they don't really have uh, besides Amari Cooper, not a big red zone target like, like Blake Jarwin. So I like Blake Jarwin, and I think you're absolutely right. I think he could be a multi-touchdown guy uh, in certain points of the season, and he should probably be owned. Uh, Ingram... I don't think should be owned. Here's the deal. Ingram has missed 13 games the last two seasons. And I'm starting to think that the Giants don't trust him. Um, He's going to have to compete with the three receivers this year. Uh, Daniel Jones, to me, is an inept quarterback and not somebody that's that great. Um, I think Ingram's stock's going to go down. I think he already reached his peak, which was last year in his only time. Um, I think he's a great athlete, and I think he's better than Jeremy Sprinkle, but, uh, but that doesn't uh, make him ownable in our league. I know somebody's going to take a, take a flyer on, uh, on Ingram. It's not going to be me. I just don't want – I think he's a Trey Burton type where it's like, why aren't you playing this week? I'm looking for an article on why you're not playing, and I just can't find it. Um, and that's just not a tight end that I want. Last but not least, Jeremy Sprinkle. Uh, I have him way down. I think he's uh, my second to last guy on my tight end list. So, uh, so yeah, that wraps up the NFC East. Let's go to the NFC South. Shedig, what do you think? You know, that's probably the most exciting tight end uh, division, I think, for me. I mean, Tom Brady and Gronkowski is a couple fucking pirates running around just stealing games from people going, who is this? I thought we were playing the Bucks. This is supposed to be an easy win. What the fuck? And all of a sudden they're playing these assholes or like, you know, catching deflated balls everywhere in the end zone. I think it'd be very fucking exciting. You know, Jared Cook will give him a run for his money, but uh, I still think that, you know, Tom Brady uh, being at a new team, he's just going to be like, oh, there's somebody, there's a familiar face. Hmm." You know, like I think that'll be more often than not. Um, I don't really know what to expect from Ian Thomas in uh, Carolina. And then, uh, yeah, that's that's really the only tight end we're talking about. So you like Gronk? You like Gronk? Oh, no. You like so you Gronk? Do? A year off? A year off? He's your, he's your favorite out of the division? Yeah. Just Where because, would you take him? Just Tom, Brady's be... gonna, Tom Brady's at a new team. And he's going to see a familiar face. He's going to say, he came out of retirement for me. Here's a fucking touchdown. Every Where game. would you take him? Just preemptively I right now. I know it's July 2nd. Yeah, I mean, I like uh, – right now, I am i haven't made any trades, so uh, my draft flow should be normal. Uh, thinking, Predicting other people's trades, I should still be able to take one. I'm thinking fourth or fifth round, just depending, depending on who's there. 
Um, but I wouldn't mind taking Gronk, not at all. Okay. Year off, no injuries for a while. I think that's very healthy for a person. I mean, I, I honestly think that, that somebody will take him. Um, personally, I don't have him in my top 14, but I can understand when, why people would. I think it's a big risk. If you see him on these television shows, he was on The Masked Singer. He has his own damn show on NBC yeah, right now. Yeah, he nipple. He looks small. Well, it's, it's crazy. He looks like, skinny. They, they still have Cameron Bray and O.J. Howard, so it's like they do have a, like, they have a lot of talented wide yes uh, uh, tight ends and wide receivers um my biggest thing is just that like i know like tom brady he's just gonna throw the ball over right he's, he's they're getting the red zone and he's gonna be like yeah. every play like, every play every time. The ball. No. yeah max, max what do you think oh. yeah so it's it's interesting that shedding says fourth or fifth round i still have gronk as my number one tight end in the division but overall i've got him as my seventh favorite tight end in the league um, I think Gronk belongs in the eighth, ninth, tenth round discussion. Um, but I also think there's a lot of value to be had late in the draft with tight ends. I, I think when we talk about value over replacements, um, Gronk's is not as high as it once was. Gronk used to be viewed as a guy that I'd love to get him in the third or fourth round. I've seen him taken, I, I feel like in our league, end of second, early third, you know, I First of all, there's more targets with Tampa Bay than there ever was in New England. Just, you know, throwing it to Mike Evans, throwing it to Chris Godwin, throwing it to two other Cameron Brate, O.J. Howard, good tight ends. Um, that being said, in his career with Brady and his long career with Brady, not counting injuries, all that shit, seven targets a game. And that was pretty consistent. It's not like, oh, he used to get 11. Now he gets four. It was seven targets a game year in, year out, you know, Um he played 14 games, three out of his last five seasons. I think we, we look at him as, as injury prone, but when he plays at least 14 games, he gets over a thousand yards with Brady. I don't see that happening this season. I, I tried to project it out because I didn't know where to rank Gronk um, with all those targets and stuff. And so I thought about 800 yards, seven touchdowns, uh, you know, averaging 50 yards a game, might have a two touchdown game at one point. I think that's, that's reasonable. If he does that with receptions, especially, you know, factoring in if we vote for receiving yards to matter more, he's tight in six, you know, and that's a pretty conservative projection. That's not even close to matching what he's done three over the last five years of his career. So I, the upside's there. So Gronk's number one for me. Number two for me is Hayden Hurst. We talked about him a little bit when we talked about Matt Ryan on the quarterback episode. Hayden Hurst had 38 targets last year and zero drops on those 38 targets. Um, Austin Hooper, when he was on the Falcons, had 97 targets, second on the team behind Julio Jones. Matt Ryan likes a tight end. Hayden Hurst was acquired to replace Austin Hooper. I'm not saying it's going to be apples to apples, but I like the, uh, the potential there. You know, I think he can do a lot with the Falcons. I like Matt Ryan as a quarterback. I just... It's, it's a good situation. I also don't have him as a top nine guy, but I could take him. I would take him in a double-digit round, be thrilled. Um, after that is Jared Cook. I think of all tight ends in the league, Jared Cook on the Saints has the most to gain for our changing receiving yards from 15 yards for a point to 10 yards for a point. Um, Jared Cook last season led the NFL 
in yards before catch. The guy ran deep routes. He was the only tight end with at least 50 targets. Who I believe that's called air yards. Air yards. It's, if you go to receiving statistics on pro football reference, it's yards before catch, YBC. Um, you should work for this company. Air yards is a quarterback stat. So Whatever. either way, he led the NFL in yards before catch. The rest of the Saints receiving core, minus Cook, were last in the league in yards before catch. So as far as deep targets go, consistently deep targets, Cook is their guy. You know, like they just got Emmanuel Sanders, so I expect that to change, but he's got a lot of upside. And I think with the scoring change, he's the one that's going to feel it the most. If you go look at uh, how tight ends did in fantasy last year, he finished as tight end seven um, with only 43 receptions, which is half of what the guys above him got. But he had 705 yards, nine touchdowns, because he just, he runs a deep route. He had almost as many yards as Hooper, who had 75 receptions. You know, it's, I don't want to go too far into Jared Cook, but he's uh, another solid double-digit round guy. After that is Ian Thomas. Ian Thomas had very few targets last year, even when he was covering for Greg Olson. Um, I know his his quarterback situation wasn't the best. He had a 10% drop rate. He didn't have very many yards before catch, didn't have very many yards after catch. I I, I am not interested in looking any deeper into Ian Thomas. I don't I, – I think he's about as fantasy relevant as CJ Uzoma. So wow. not interested. Uh, Huck, do you love Ian Thomas? I do. I do like Ian Thomas. I have him right behind Austin Hooper. Uh, he <laughs> is my number 16. Uh, so not supposed to be owned, but uh, somebody to be really looked at. Um, it, you know, Teddy Two Gloves is going to want to throw it downfield sometimes. I know not all the time. Um, I know he's got McCaffrey, so he could just throw it to him every That's play. That's why he's got Robbie Anderson. <laughs> I get it. I get it. But but what I'm saying is, you know, there's – and he does have a lot of targets, but I think Ian Thomas is going to be productive at some points in the season. Um, so Jared Cook. Uh, Jared Cook is 33. I consider myself an old man at 32. I'm about to be 33. Um, I know I'm not in, in good shape in, by any sense of the word. Uh, and, but Jared Cook is 33. He's another year older. They did uh, trade for Emmanuel Sanders. It's going to suck up some targets. Um, I think Kamara uh, has some, some, a better year than he did last year. Uh, you got Michael Thomas. Uh, you, Jared Cook might not even be the best tight end on his team. I know that's crazy. Who is? Um, do you really want me to say? Yeah, yeah, I do. Because I, I think Jared Cook is a solid tight end. So I mean, I think there's already a lot of smoke screens in this uh, podcast. I might as well throw another one in there. <laughs> so if you've ever heard of this guy named Taysom Hill. Oh, my God. Taysom Hill will probably have tight end eligibility. And he will probably get you a rushing touchdown or two. Maybe, uh, you know, a throwing one. But anyway, I'm not going to dig into Taysom Hill. I dug into him on the wide receiver podcast. Someone please draft Taysom Hill early so Huck can go, I gotcha. I did it. Listen, I'm going to draft Taysom Hill. I, I'm, I'm telling you. There's going to be a round where I'm going to say. How early would you draft Taysom Hill? That depends on draft flow, Shedding. But I swear oh, to you. It can't, it can't be your answer. Okay, what? By, right, right. Now, by do, right now, doing the you're offense, right. I will draft a defensive player before I draft Taysom Hill. I'll tell you that. Oh. Um, but I would say, yeah, I, I wouldn't count out 
uh, top 10 round, like you, we talked about earlier off, off air, that could save you five to five to six moves at tight oh, yeah. end, at wide receiver, at quarterback, at whatever, if he can get that eligibility. So anyway, I'm not going to go into too deep into the whole Taysom Hill, and I'm not going to try to sell everybody on him, but I think Taysom Hill is going to be a good, if not great, fantasy asset this year. Um, he may score 150 points, but he will be um, somebody good. I do want to talk about Hayden Hurst. Um, I know that the Ravens put good stock in him and drafted him in the first round a couple of years back. Um, he really doesn't have a lot of tread on the tires. Matt Ryan really likes him. said he's the most athletic tight end you've ever worked with. Now, you – We'll hear a lot of that this year. You have Ron Rivera comparing every goddamn player to Christian McCaffrey. You hear everybody saying, I'm, I am the m- most healthy I've been in years. You're gonna Best hear shape all of my that. life. Best yeah. shape of my life. You're going to hear a bunch of that. You're going to hear, uh, you know, Tom Brady say he has five more years left in the league. You know, Drew Brees saying he's, at, he's in the best shape of his life, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So take that with a grain of salt, if you will. But uh, the Falcons trade a second round pick for Hayden Hurst. So they honestly think that, that they got something there. Uh, it's almost like the Ravens said, we're going to invest in this guy. Oh, but look at Mark Andrews. Okay, we got Mark Andrews now, and he's a stud. Let's, let's see what we can get for Hayden Hurst. And they got a second rounder, which is pretty good. Uh, and so it's – who got the deal here? Was it the Ravens or the Falcons? We're going to have to see. Uh, but, but yeah, so moving on here, the Howard, anyway, go on at the very least, you have to admit a second round pick is a pretty big investment in Hayden. Like you have to imagine that they trade a second round pick. They imagine him getting a lot of targets, right? Mm. I mean, like I said, we'll have to see, uh, Julio Ridley Gage. I mean, and they're working with Todd Gurley now. you know, like we talked about Blake Jarwin, this guy might be the fifth option. Um, but Austin Hooper had a great year last year. So it's one of those, I'm not sure where it's going to be. It could be back and forth. But, uh, but yeah, I personally, I, I like Hayden Hurst. Um, so the, the Howard, Bray, Gronk conversation. Do you think that O.J. Howard is going to be a Buccaneer when we open the season early September. If they're smart, they trade at least one of them. Right. Well, there's no, what, you're not, what you're not can they get? get? You're not going to get anything out of Bray. And you're not going to trade Gronk because he just traded for Gronk. So the only person they could really trade would be OJ Howard. I think there's a lot of teams because they had discussions with a lot of teams on yep. who would take OJ Howard. If you, I if wish the, the Steelers would have gotten Howard instead of Ebron, honestly. If the, if the Texans said, Hey, we're gonna give seventh for OJ Howard. How would you feel as a Texans fan? I would be shocked. Bill O'Brien would give a fourth for OJ Howard at worst. <laughs> yes. okay. yeah. You know, you uh, seventh. I make it a fourth. Uh, <laughs> I love oh, my seventh. Or was a seventh? All right. I raise you a second rounder. No, but uh, but uh, no, but I think OJ Howard is a good player that had a really, really, really bad year. And ran some really, really, really bad routes. 
if you can get somebody to get him to run the right route, he's an athletic, you know, anomaly. <laughs> uh, to be honest, he, I watched those games. He better. <laughs> no, you watch those games, and Jameis Winston is a screen. If you can just get him to be smarter, like, he'd be so good. Well, I'm just saying he has the talent. <laughs> Jameis Winston's a screamer. You saw him screaming O.J. Howard. I had O.J. Howard for a few weeks. I think I traded him from Neil because I thought, ooh, buy low. Let's buy low. Well, bought low, stayed low, dropped lower. Uh, so I had eventually I had to drop him. Uh, but O.J. Howard, uh, I think, is a talent that should be starting for some team. And if he was starting for a team, say the Texans, say the Cardinals, say somebody with an inept tight end situation, he automatically should be on yeah. our league. The Cardinals could really use a tight end. Yeah, Cardinals would be a great call on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, I think that all this discussion that we're having, because I do see think Cameron Brake sees the field this year, uh, makes – Gronk an extremely risky pick. He's the WWE champion, the twenty four seven WWE champion. Okay, nice. he has. <laughs> well, thank God for it's field security. Thank God it's going to be right. there stopping people. I know. So he's got two television shows on NBC that he just got done filming. He lo- he was down to like, you know. I can uh, I can just see Clay like thinking of his team names now. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should be thinking of your team names. You're the one that you, it seems like you have the the most confidence in Gronk. Um, but uh, I mean, but, I think I, I think it'd be unless they did trade uh, Howard, and there are a lot of other things. They, the, the biggest thing to me is like they do have a lot of great wide receivers, but Brady's getting pretty old. Hitting those outside targets and it not getting picked off for a pick six, it's a big thing when you, you're like really old and just really vegan it's just not gonna work <laughs> gotta need tomatoes for the uh for the inflammation but but like i was saying you know drew rosenhaus the fucking snake came out and said oh yeah he's back 260 i personally think i don't believe it at this point that he's back to the same weight and same size that he was because if you looked at him even in february at his little super bowl dj booth whatever in miami he looked like he was gone, like he was skinny, like he was thin, yeah, like I mean, he was whatever. So in five months, you're telling me he gained all that weight back in muscle? Sure. Yeah. Whatever. It's Even like through the- filming these shows? Sure. I, I mean, that's yeah. fine. Even if that's true, Godwin, Evans, Scotty Miller, uh, both running backs, Keyshawn Vaughn, and Ronald Jones III. I'm just saying there's a lot of I'm just saying here. look at Brady looking throwing to his wide receivers last season. He couldn't do the outside throws. It's, he didn't have enough arm. All sure. he can do I, is I shovel it over top and hope that someone big enough will just jump over three people and make it look like not an interception and not a fucking duck. Well, and he didn't have two sudden, top ten receivers. It's like Yeah. Uh, and now, yeah, yeah. Two of them could, but I'm just saying those outside throws, a lot of those throws, he can't make them anymore. He doesn't have the arm for it. Yep. Final note in this division, Ian Thomas. Uh, like I said earlier, probably somebody to keep an eye on. Um, somebody I'm going to be watching uh, because he could be interesting towards uh, the end of the draft. If you don't have a tight end and you're deciding between him and uh, Kyle Rudolph, uh, Ian Thomas might be the, the go-to guy there. A quick right. comment. 
quick yeah. comment about OJ and Howard. Um, it just reminds me. So I've, I've been driving all over Texas for the last two weeks, just visiting people and things along those lines. Being awesome. safe as, well, listen, I was as safe as I possibly could. I quarantined for three weeks ahead of time, um, went to visit our parents who have also yeah. been working from home, quarantined, all that stuff. You came Anyways, from Anyways, I'm driving all around Texas, and so I needed something to listen to. I listened to season one of the Gridiron Fantasy Football Podcast, a couple of old episodes, and you talked about O.J. Howard so much, and it's one of my favorite things I listen to. Um, if anybody has a lot of time on their hands, I would I talked a lot about O.J. Howard? No, 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 Huck did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would recommend listening to... You know, any of the, obviously any of the Huck and Chetic episodes, the Huck and Clay episode, the Huck and Trevor Thanksgiving episode. It's a, it was a fun walk down memory lane. Um, but yeah, OJ Howard sucks. Anyways, <laughs> NFC West. I had a lot of confidence in him, didn't I? You did. You had, you're like, this is the week. And then the next week you'd be like, well, it didn't happen for OJ Howard. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, uh, I, <laughs> I get a fresh start uh, to go into this. And OJ Howard is obviously off. Uh, everybody's bored until he's traded. Right now, I have him as my number 27. Um, so, obviously, he's not going to be owned by anybody. But, anyway, we can move on here. Uh, let's go to our final division, the NFC West. Shedick, what do you got? It's actually a pretty interesting division for tight ends. I Is mean, it? you've got George, uh, George Kittle. You know, you've got – I mean, I, I as, as much as uh, – Jimmy Graham was a failure, failed experiment in Seattle before. I think that Greg Olson will do well. Um, I think he'll beat out Higby in the Rams because I actually don't think uh, that without Gurley, uh, they're going to be able to do very well. But yeah, I think I think I'd go in that order, and then obviously Arizona in the bottom because, like we said earlier, their tight end situation is pretty abysmal. And they have such stellar wide receivers; it'd be hard not to throw to them. So. Yeah, I think I'd go uh, San Francisco, Seattle, Rams, Arizona. Max, what do you think about the NFC West? Well, um, close. Close, but uh, a little different. So, obviously, George Kittle's my number one. Um, Kittle, for me, is the number three overall tight end. The dude is a freaking freight train. Does not drop the ball. 7.1 yards after catch, almost an 80% catch rate, which catching the ball from Garofalo, Janine Garofalo, I mean, especially getting over seven targets a game, the dude is talented. I think with another quarterback, he would be the no-doubt uh, tight end one. Um, yeah, I, I love him. He breaks tackles, breaks more tackles than any other tight end out of the top ten. So he's the obvious number one. Number two for me is Tyler Higby. Higby caught fire weeks 14 through 16 last season over eight or over 10 targets a game um, for each one of those three games over a hundred yards, all three of those games, you know, he was a dynamo in the fantasy playoffs, a big, a big thing for that. So I, I think the Rams, we talked about Jared Goff. They're not going to be able to rely on play action the same way they did before uh, because there's no Gurley. I know they have other running backs. I know they just drafted a good guy, but um, ultimately I think they're going to have to rely on the pass a lot more. I think Higby's a big part of that. And I think he became a big part of that before they even needed it last season in the fantasy playoffs. So as a whole last year, five targets a game. Fantasy playoffs last year averaged over 10 targets a game. I like Higby as a top 10 
tight end. I think he's worth taking in the top 10 rounds um, this season. I think he's really talented. I've said before, I don't love Jared Goff, but I do. I'm really high on Higby this year. Um, after Higby is Greg Olson. So uh, there's been issues with Seattle's tight ends over the years. Will Disley, four and a half targets per game when healthy. Um, back in the day, Jimmy Graham, his couple of years with the Seahawks, he didn't play well, but he still got targets. He just didn't catch a lot of them. Um, he averaged six targets a game without any production. So if Greg Olson is healthy, being the key word, if I knew Greg Olson was healthy this season, he'd be a top five tight end. Um, but, I, you know, the injury to his foot, or I don't even know, both feet, it's hard to keep track. If he's healthy, he's going to be great, I think. You know, I, I think that especially now that the Seahawks have two bona fide star wide receivers on the outside, that would open up the middle for Greg Olson very nicely. Um, Greg Olson's not much of a blocking tight end. They've got him for one reason and one reason only, to be a target for Russell Wilson. So he's one of those high upside, going to be taken in a double-digit round, and is either going to be, you know, dropped after he gets injured week three, or he's going to be somebody that we say down the line, damn, Greg Olson was a good pick. Good for that guy. I think Greg Olson is the plus-plus version of Tyler Eifert um, in that huge injury risk. Don't have to draft them too high. A lot of upside, and there will be tight ends on the waiver wire if you want to gamble. And then after Greg Olson comes the lowest tight end on my list. I'm talking tight end 32. Max Williams. Max with two X's. And he might not end up being the starting tight end for the Cardinals. It's just who they've got. Um, in 2019, with Kyler Murray, the Cardinals targeted tight ends 10% of the time. And of those tight ends, none of them, I think, got more than 20 targets. They really spread it out with those tight ends. It was more dump-offs than anything. They targeted the wide receivers 70% of the time, running backs 20% of the time. They don't care about tight ends in the Kingsbury offense. And given the fact that they're rolling out Max Williams, I don't expect that to change. So, like I said, top three tight ends in this division, very fantasy relevant. Max Williams, I couldn't care Love the name. Too many X's, though. Huck, NFC West, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. So, Max Williams, um, I think the Cardinals are really running out a six-man O-line um, with with Max Williams, and they're not exactly going to target. I don't think the Cardinals, even before the Kingsbury era, had a tight end that's been relevant since, like, Charles Clay, when the Cardinals were one of the worst teams in the NFL. Hey, Jermaine uh, Gresham resents that. Okay. I mean, maybe you're right, but I, I'm just saying I haven't targeted a uh, uh, Cardinals tight end. However, tight ends against the Cardinals last year was number one, but we won't get into that. Um, so let me get in my rankings here for this one. Kittle's obviously number one. I have him as number two right behind Kelsey. You can interchange, actually, Kittle and Kelsey um, as one, two. They'll probably be drafted in the fourth and fifth round, and you won't get them after that. So um, I don't really need to talk about them that much. Greg Olson is who I want to dive into here. Uh, do you know how old Greg Olson is? Anybody know how Greg Olson? How old Greg Olson is? Thirty-three. Thirty-six years old. Ah, Greg Olson. Uh, yeah. So uh, you know, you could say that he had the pick of the litter here in where he was going to go because Greg Olson's kind of a big name when it comes to 
um, tight ends. But uh, he picked Seattle. Why did he pick Seattle? Because Seattle likes to target tight end. And they are a good team. They are a Super Bowl relevant team. Um, that likes to target the tight end. But I feel like this is almost a Jason Witten situation where he may get some targets per game and he may get some touchdowns. But what did I say earlier? I like tight ends who stretch the field, tight ends that can make their own plays, tight ends who are athletic. Greg Olson's not that guy anymore. Greg Olson's the guy that, you know, third and five. Oh my gosh, Greg Olson just got another touchdown. Greg Olson finishes with nine fantasy points on the week. Great job, Greg Olson. You're not winning me any games, but you're a serviceable tight end. That's not the guy I'm looking for. And honestly, I don't think anybody drafts him. Uh, I have him as my number 21, uh, right behind Eric Ebron and Njoku. So Greg Olson, not really relevant uh, to me. Uh, going down the list, uh, Higby. Um is actually my number three. Again, this is the same concept. Higby is a big target for people because of the fact that he had some good weeks last year. Like I explained to Max earlier when he asked about Higby, I had Higby last year. He was one of my fill-ins. I had trouble with tight end last year. I went from tight end to tight end to tight end because Hunter Henry, you know, had kneecap issues. Um, OJ Howard to Higby. Higby had a week where he got hit so hard they coughed up blood and had to uh, sit out. Otherwise, he was a serviceable guy, not somebody that won me any weeks, um, but somebody that might get a tight end touchdown here or there in the red zone. He got a lot of red zone targets. Again, not a guy who stretches the field. I watched the games. I know there's targets to fill in, uh, in L.A., He's not the guy. You can look to Robert Woods. You can look to other receivers. He's not the guy. You can look to Josh Reynolds, whatever. Um, Higby will get some tight end end zone looks, but he is not a tight end that will stretch the field and get 100 yards, etc. He's not going to be top five. He may be ownable. He may be 13, 14, 15, 16. Uh, but Higby is not on my list. And again, rounding out the list is Max Williams, just because I think of the scheme. Uh, I think the the Cardinals uh, don't run a tight end efficient offense. I think they like to have Kyler Murray, give some Kyler, Kyler Murray some time by having that extra blocker on some plays. But I think on most times they'll run the spread offense and run four wide receivers and not even have a tight end on the field. So uh, Anyway, that's that's my NFC West, and that's the uh, the end of our our tight end divisional analysis. Let's move on to give me two tight ends that you please don't be on my team. Please don't be on my team. Shedek, give me two. Utah, give me two. You're muted. Give me two. <laughs> you know the. Probably the please don't be on my team. I would say uh, I, I, I'd have to say Joku. Like I like I would like I know that the Browns offense makes does throw to the tight ends, but I just I wouldn't want to have to take them. That'd be if like I didn't uh, draft one early. And then the other one would have to be. Uh, 
you know, honestly, I'm not a big fan of the other guy there at uh, the se- the second guy at uh, the Eagles, Goddard. I'm not like if Ertz was taken. I know Goddard's doing well. I know you like him, but I'm not a big fan of him. I think Ertz still beats him out this this year. Max, who are your two? Please don't be on my team. Before you do this, Max, just remember these are people that will probably be taken. Yeah, but you no, do not I want just, on your I team. I don't want them on my team. For okay. what it's worth, I don't want any backup tight ends on my team either. Okay, yeah. like, I'm just throwing that out there. I don't for want them on my also, team. Also, for what it's worth, I think. <laughs> Watch Goddard. Just have him on your watch list. Yeah. Have him on your fucking watch list. I will. I will. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go fuck yourself, all right? We're having fun here. All right, please, please don't be on my team. Mike Kosicki. Um, I know we talked up Mike Kosicki earlier, but God, don't give me a reason that I have to watch the Dolphins every week. Um, on top of that, I just... I don't believe in the consistency. I don't believe in the ceiling. He is my tight end, probably 14. So he's probably the last, the lowest guy on my list that I would take if the top 13 were gone. Um, so yeah, please don't be on my team, Mike Sicky. My second one would likely be Jared Cook. I I want to believe in Jared Cook. I still I like the idea of him being a deeper target, but he is number thirteen on my list. Please don't be on my team, Jared Cook. Um, only because if I get down that far, like if, if it's the second to last round, and I just haven't picked a tight end and a kicker, rather than Jared Cook, who I could pick up off waivers, I want a high upside guy like Tyler Eifert or like Greg Olson if he hasn't been taken. I think Jared Cook is is a settle. Like you settle for Jared Cook, and if everybody else gets hurt, he'll be a top five tight end. Um, so please don't be on my team, Jared Cook, Mike Kosicki. The absolute definition of what you just said means Jared Cook absolutely won't be on your team. So it would be the next section. But I digress. We'll move on to the. Not if somebody took Eifert already. <laughs> okay. Just saying. Uh, okay. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Kosicki is on my please be on my team list, but. Anyway, uh, let's go to uh, – so my please don't be on my team. Uh, Evan Ingram. Please someone take Evan Ingram. He always gets hurt, and he's probably going to be somebody that's uh, attractive in that 11 through 15 round range. Okay. Um, and I uh, I do not want to take him at all. And, uh, and also – Please don't be on my team, Zach Ertz. Oh, please, really? somebody, please, somebody take Zach Ertz before like the seventh. Um, oh, if, he'll be gone by then. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Please. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so by, by the seventh, that's what it's like. Yeah, he's still there in the tenth. Oh, I have to take him. Well, no, no, no. I mean, you say that, but I have Zach I mean, Ertz. I, don't, I think I think he'd be gone by the seventh. I have Zach Ertz my fifth tight end. So. You know, if tight ends keep dropping and then I, I have some tight ends right behind him that I'm like, you know, salivating over, uh, if he's still there, it's like, oh my God, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm really hurt because I'm, I'm hurting myself because I'm not taking Zach Ertz. So 
Uh, hopefully, Zach Ertz is taken by the time that, uh, that it's my turn to take a tight end, so we'll see. But uh, Shadig, go ahead and give me two tight ends that absolutely will not be on your team. Uh, well, I'd have to go with old man Jason Witten in Las Vegas. I think he'll just be partying too hard and just way too old. That toupee is going to slow him down. And then uh, Jimmy Graham in Chicago. I mean, not only is he in Chicago, and it's probably the worst offense that I would never want to have to watch or root for, like on a Monday night. Like, I need eight points, and Chicago offense is going to do it for me. Yeah, it's not. So, yeah, Jimmy Graham's out. So, yeah, Witten and Graham, two guys that I think – Used to be really good, and now just really fallen off the charts. And if anything, somebody might pay too much for their name. Right. Max, your two guys? Number one for me is Dawson Knox. Um, I mean, I, I could see maybe not if they listen to the podcast, but I doubt everybody's listening to the podcast right now because it's tight ends and who gives a shit. But Dawson, well, we have a pretty wide uh, live audience. Uh, I think right now true. we're talking. We do. This is our first uh, podcast with live audience. We have Michael yeah. and Brad watching. Uh, well, on Brad's here. playing with his kids in the background. So right, well, they they have both have... been shirtless uh, this whole podcast. <laughs> uh, well, I didn't want Brad to be alone. Yeah, That's trying fair. to distract us and holding up notes to the screen uh, to try to give us you know info on it. Um, you know, it was very encouraging. Most of them. Yeah, a lot of them were encouraging. But yeah, keep going, Max. Keep going. So Dawson Knox will not be on my team. The other one, and this is – I'm going to have to backtrack a little bit, but understand why Rob Gronkowski will not be on my team this year. Like I said, I, I expect if I was to project for Gronk, 800 yards, seven touchdowns. However, if I want him, I have to take him in the top eight rounds. And – for somebody like for somebody that has a, a Darren Waller, George Kittle ceiling, and a CJ Uzoma floor, I can take the other gambles that we've talked about. The Tyler Eifert, the Greg Olson. I mean, hell, Higby is going to probably go long after Gronk, and he doesn't have as high a ceiling. But my expectations for him is he's going to be a much safer pick than Gronk. A lot of what we're doing when we're Drafting players is mitigating risk for tight end on a high draft pick. I don't feel the need to, you know, the, 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 in the top 10 tight ends, double digit points made you a top 10 tight end last season. You know, Mike Kosicki had 93 points. He was a top 10 tight end last season. So I don't feel yeah. the need to risk a top eight round pick on a guy that, yeah, uh, he's been excellent in the past, and I do expect him to put up some numbers, but uh, it's just the juice is not worth the squeeze for me on that one. So whoever drafts him, good luck to you. I hope he gets you 800 yards and seven touchdowns. But I, it's, it's too, too Not interested. Yeah. Huck, who is not going to be on your team? I'll add on to your rankings there. Um, there is a strategy for tight ends so that – People who draft tight ends in the middle rounds and do not invest in the top guys or the bottom guys, in the past few years, it has worked out where the top guys produce like they you thought they were going to produce, and the guys that you streamed at the very end produce a little bit better, and those middle guys that you thought may be the top guys suck ass. So if we're talking about like, the guys that were drafted in the middle rounds, Ingram, Henry, Howard, McDonald, and Joku last year, 
finished as 18, 9, tight end 29, 30, and tight end 85 in order. But two of those are injuries. Sure. You know? But I'm just saying, yeah, I mean, it's fine. But what I'm saying is when you invest in a tight end in those middle rounds, historically, or it trending in the last few seasons, it's turned out awfully. Um, I don't forgive injuries as well. That just shows me that uh, you have bad track record and you'd probably repeat itself. Do you right. want a broken base? I, I glued it back together. Do you want the broken base? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, so anyway. get Peyton Manning. Right. <laughs> so the two people that won't be on my team for sure, and I wanted to include Gronkowski, but then I thought about it and I said, you know, if Gronk is giving me at a great price, you know, I'm probably going to have Tom Brady on my team. So might as well have the Tom Brady-Gronk combination. Uh, Jimmy Graham, I agree with Shag. Jimmy Graham will not even – in fact, if I could delete him from Yahoo so that I don't have to look at him, that would be great. Uh, and Noah Fant, uh, I know you see a theme here. I'm, I'm shitting on Broncos week after week after week after week. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, I do. I, I think the Broncos suck, um, and I think they're going to be terrible this year. Probably a top-five pick next year looking for a quarterback. Uh, and I think Noah Fant – uh, will be somebody that should be started in our league and will get some have some weeks where he has some successes. Um, but overall, he will not finish in the top 10 tight ends. He will not be on my team. Um, that's well, it, guys. Something oh, interesting, ahead. something interesting about tight ends is that unlike wide receivers, it seems like the position, aside from Travis Kelsey, is, is almost immune to bad quarterbacks. You know, on my list, sure. we've got Ertz, who, uh, okay, his quarterback's not bad. But after that, we've got George Kittle. And I think we can all agree well, that Jenny well, Garoppolo's not a QB1. Well, you have to think about the fact that it's a difference of throwing the ball an extra 20 yards to the outside against a much more uh, versatile and athletic corner and or safety against a linebacker who's more worried about the run. Have you ever sure. played quarterback in any like pickup game or whatever and had somebody go deep and somebody go short? I mean, there's a safety blanket of somebody who goes short, whatever. And the tight end is the, the safety blanket. So what I'm, what I'm saying here is you look at Kittle, Waller, Ingram, you know, Matt Ryan didn't have a stellar year last year and Hooper did, you know, like, so whenever you think about that, you're talking about Noah Fant playing for a bad team. If he gets the targets, I actually think he yeah. he's got high upside. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I see he, what you're saying there. Yeah, yeah. You gotta I, find I don't want Broncos either. You gotta find the light in the dark. <laughs> you know, Broncos like that same quarterback is not gonna be on a good team. He's gotta be on a terrible team. Such <laughs> a bad team that they're throwing every single third and fourth quarter down by 30 points. Are you talking that's the about Blake, Blake Bortles effect, okay? That's Ooh. what that is. You're talking the about Ryan, the, the Ryan Fitzpatrick effect, you know? <laughs> you're, you're talking about that. that's Jacecki. You're talking about Jacecki. That's mm-hmm. definition of Jacecki. I, I just – I don't I – well, I think the only problem there is that they're going to try to run with Tagovailoa. And he's going to, like, break down after a couple of weeks. But they're going to be like, no, but he's still our guy. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to come in and be like, ah, I'm back. <laughs> well, and then Jacecki is going to kill. When Ryan Fitzpatrick you. comes back yeah. in about th- week three, that's when Aha! he's going to Right there. Okay. okay. 
All right, guys, I got one question for you before we close this out. Um, do you think the Redskins should change their name? I do. I do. And, and not just, uh, this isn't a social justice issue, in my opinion, because you change the name, people are still going to hate Dan Snyder because Dan Snyder's kind of a bad guy, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, people are still pissed that the Cleveland Indians are the Cleveland Indians. They made him get rid of Chief Wahoo. Uh, yeah. I I personally think, and I know that it would be expensive up front, but I think they are setting money on fire by not changing it right now to something that's not, you know, like Redskins. Is, is, <laughs> it's it's a slur against Native Americans. If you yeah. just change it to something no, it really that is. celebrates, it's, it's if you change the logo, and you, hell, you don't even have to change the logo. If you just change the name to the Americans, change it to something that is more positive towards Native Americans. They, they, they should they should uh, make it the Centennials, you know, like from the movie, uh, The Replacements. Uh, that was the, I think they Sentinels? were the Sentinels. Yeah, was it Washington Sentinel? Sentinels. Washington Sentinel, um, there you go. You know, way, it's not offensive, it's formidable. It's got a good I, movie going. I see it as an opportunity for them to flip the script do something that's pro-Native American and they're going to sell yeah. a shitload of jerseys. People yeah. are going to go, ah, they finally did the right thing. I'm going to buy a shitload of gear and post it on Facebook because that's what people and, and, Exactly. And they suck right now anyway. So I think it's right now of all times, like it's a good time to do it. For you know, sure. It's like, anybody, it's like anybody's was loading up on Redskins gear last year. Yeah. So, so I think that right now the uh, – <laughs> The situation is that people want to change it. It's a time of cultural and social change. Um, but we have a administration, both in Congress and in the presidency, that doesn't support this kind of change. So I think that the, the change for the Redskins will not come this year, obviously. But if you see a change in administration in the United States, you know, from wherever, um, that there will be a change from Redskins to something else. But there is a strong uh, support for keeping our heritage right now. Um, and to be honest, I'm not saying that I'm on either side, but I will say that I've always known them as the Washington Redskins, and I've never seen it as a cultural slur until like the past few years. So it may be a slur, but I haven't seen that. Well, and we're not, we're not Native American. You know? I know we're not Native American, <laughs> yeah. I get that. No, I, and, and, and I, and I totally get that. But what I'm saying is I've never, you know, really looked into it and said, wow, this is really hurting people, you know, is the Chiefs aren't hurting people, but the Redskins are. It's just one of those, you know. No, the Chiefs is not a racial that's slur. Different. Yeah, that's completely different. It's like the Kings. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I, if they're, I, the Kings if they're are willing to change, vagabonds, like it's like if, oh, if, Kings are <laughs> vagabonds. Okay. If they're willing to change the Washington Bullets to the Wizards, you know, and if they're willing to change Aunt Jemima right now now's the time they could they yeah. could change it over the next Plus, like years. i said they've for last year years, so they're not losing much on merchandise like no one has redskin gear no one's walking around with that shit right now if they change so, it to something Danny Walton's family is absolutely walking around with redskin gear 
His house is full of Redskins gear. If they change it to something that's politically correct, they're going to make a boatload of money over the next couple of years. Yeah, they'd make a ton of money because every Redskin fan would buy the new one. And even fans that aren't Redskin fans would buy it just because it would be a a step in the right direction. Okay, so we'll finish this out with give me a suggestion for a team name. Shut it. Washington Sentinels. Replacements. Great movie. And the Patriots are already taken. They live in Washington. You know, it's got to be something kind of – yeah. Max, what do you think? Keep the logo um, and just, you know, something that's Washington Native Americans, but much shorter. You know, pick a specific tribe or, or something that celebrates Native Americans um, and the fact that they were here before us. They do that, they're going to make a bunch of money. So I, I have nothing specific. Maybe uh, Washington Americans is still a mouthful, but. Natives? Well, uh, that's not bad. Uh, yeah, but doesn't natives natives still sound? See, that's what I'm saying. It's a very thin wire to walk. It's tough. If you're going to do Indians, so you could do Chiefs because that's the top of the food chain as far as as far as Indians. But if you say Indians, you automatically are like you know whatever. If Atlanta Indians didn't have of, it, if Atlanta didn't have it, I would say Washington what, Braves would be fantastic. What about the net? Well, I guess I mean the, the other the baseball team took the Nationals. That was pretty easy. Yep. I think you no. totally take it from their hockey team and just say the Capitals. Yeah, just take, just do the Capitals. You but can't have two Capitals. Why? The Giants are in, you know, were both in New York. I mean, I'm just, yeah, I'm just spitballing here, but I, I don't want to spend a bunch of time on this. I just wanted to start the conversation. You, you know, brought maybe, it up. That's true. That's true. That's true. I did bring it up. Um, anyway. Thank you guys for joining us for our tight end uh, podcast. Please join us in our, uh, what we started here is an after hours uh, little conversation to talk about football, uh, our lives, our draft coming up. Uh, we, we do it on Zoom. If you could join us there, that'd be great. Uh, appreciate uh, y'all sticking this out, talking about tight ends for an hour and 30 minutes. And we will talk to you. It's like sleep Cause the pressure's unreal I'm not saying that it's not You're causing a scene